grant, O Lord, that through the spoken word and through the written word, we may behold the living word, our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. Do please sit down. A few years ago, I had a meeting in Church House in London, and the train times didn't fit terribly well. I'd got about an hour and a half between arriving in Paddington and needing to be in my meeting. So I decided that actually I would go and visit the museum to Alexander Fleming, uh, which is in a little, tiny little room attached to St Mary's Hospital, which of course is next door, more or less, to Paddington Station. Um, Alexander Fleming, of course, who discovered penicillin. And it was fascinating, there was um, one of his ex-workers there in retirement who looked after the museum, which was a tiny little laboratory uh, very old-fashioned, of course, very scruffy, but also an exhibition area um, upstairs. And uh, I started off having a personal guided tour of all of this, and then um, a young man turned up, uh, a medical student actually at Manchester University, who also decided he'd quite like to see Alexander Fleming's museum. And so we went round the exhibition upstairs together. And in talking, um, to finding out a little bit about each other, he discovered that I was a priest, and that also that I had been a university lecturer in physics and done research in low temperature physics. Oh, he said, oh, that must be very interesting because uh, nearly all scientists are atheists, aren't they? And I looked at him in some surprise and said, I think you probably need to check your sources on this. You know, this is not the case. Um, in fact, I hadn't actually got the data with me at the, at the time uh, accurately, uh, but a, a US, uh, no, sorry, a, a German and English survey in the last few years have produced almost equal numbers of scientists, uh, academic scientists saying they were atheists, equal numbers saying uh, they were active uh, believers, not necessarily Christians, but active believers, and a, an equal number in the middle um, saying, well, you know, they believe in some sort of spirituality, but they weren't really committed to much. Which brings me to the psalm that we had today, Psalm 111 and verse 2. And verse 2 is, The works of the Lord are great, sought out by all who delight in them. And those words, in, actually in Latin, were engraved over the entrance of the Cavendish Laboratory in Cambridge, the physics laboratory, where all sorts of the structure of the atom and actually a lot of the work, uh, early work on, um, uh, on, on nuclear fission uh, was done at the start of the war. It was a very cramped laboratory. It was set up by James Clark Maxwell, and almost certainly that text was placed there because Maxwell wanted it there. Maxwell, who produced Maxwell's laws of electromagnetism, but after a time, uh, that laboratory got too cramped and Cambridge was expanding and the science area was moving out to what they call the West Cambridge site. And a new Cavendish laboratory was being built that actually was fit for purpose and had got room to, uh, space to manoeuvre in and to get everybody in. And a friend of mine, who was a research student there at the time, um, thought, well, wouldn't it it'd be rather nice if that text was reproduced over the door of the new Cavendish? And he talked to a few friends of his who might share similar views, and they thought, well, it may not get approval, but we can at least ask. 
So they went and talked to the head of department, who was not a Christian believer, not a believer of any sort, and he said, well, I'll take it to the faculty board um, and see what they have to say, giving the impression he thought the chances were pretty slim to, to zero. But the faculty board thought it was a good idea, particularly as um, uh, my friends had offered to pay for it, um, for it to be engraved in, in wood this time and in English. And so th the new Cavendish Laboratory in Cambridge has Psalm 111, verse 2, inscribed over its entrance. The works of the Lord are great, sought out by all who delight in them. But why should that young man who I met in the museum think that scientists were nearly all atheists? It was James Clark Maxwell who started the idea of having that, that text in the Cavendish. Most people don't realise that the, the physicist um, who was responsible for the formulation of the Big Bang Theory was actually a Roman Catholic priest, Georges Lemaitre, um, a Belgian Catholic priest. Was unaware of the scientists, particularly of generations ago in the 18th and 19th century, of obviously Isaac Newton, Robert Boyle, and uh, Michael Faraday. But coming up to date, the man who got a knighthood for his work on the, the, uh, the COVID-19 virus, uh, and Professor Andrew Pollard, now Sir Andrew Pollard, is an active Christian believer. Ian Prunce, um, who was largely responsible for founding the Eden Project, and also a former director of Kew Gardens. Jocelyn Bell Burnell, who as a research student discovered radio pulsars and there was a bit of a scandal because her supervisor and everybody got the Nobel Prize and she didn't, and she's an active Quaker. So why is it that we actually come out with those statements like that? Why did this young man believe this? Well, it's because somehow or other, and this is only in the late 20th and 21st century, that we've managed to be persuaded that only science can produce definite answers. And everything else is all airy-fairy and an option and take it if you like it, but probably not true. And I remember doing a talk at a church in Hertfordshire um, a few years back. And a woman in, in the well, audience, really, rather than congregation, said precisely that. She's puzzled. She said it was all very interesting, but why is it that science gives hard answers, definite answers, whereas religion, it's... It, it, it's not so precise. It probably is, but it just possibly might not be. Well, what I... I made an answer to her in various ways, uh, one of which was, well, actually, science chooses its own field to work in. It only chooses to work on things that it thinks it can find an answer to. Otherwise, you won't get any funding to start with. Um, but then I thought, realized after I was driving home what I should have said to her, because she was there with her children and her family and things. I said, um, making assumptions about you, I said, you're married, presumably you and your, your partner have been married for some time, your husband. Um, how do you know he loves you? Or how does he know you love him? And you can't actually produce a definitive proof to that, that you can sign it off and say QED, that's it, he loves me, you know, proven. 
It's dependent on actions, it's dependent on emotions, it's dependent on bringing together bits of evidence from all sorts of other ways of looking at things. There's more ways to look at the world than just, if you like, a scientific understanding. Why is the kettle boiling? Well, if you've done A-level physics or something, you could give an answer in terms of uh, phase transitions and saturated vapour pressure and goodness knows what. And that would be absolutely true. But the kettle's boiling because I'm making tea. That's why it's boiling. There's more than one answer. And what this young man had been conned into believing was that although science answers a huge number of questions, it actually ignores as unanswerable, more fundamental ones, that the psalmist knew perfectly well, that the works of the Lord are great, sought out by those who delight in them. It ignores fundamental questions like, who am I? What am I for? What is the world for? Why is there something rather than nothing? How do I relate to other people? What are the important values and structures in my life? They're not answerable. And it's not that, that science has failed to answer, it just chooses not to do so, because it can't. And yet why have we been conned into thinking that's the only answer? Which answers satisfy us most, even if we can't completely prove them all? Does the Christian answer to the world around us a God who has created a world in love and people to inhabit it for all the problems that lie in there with suffering and pain? Does that actually give us a more coherent answer than saying, well, it just happened? In the COVID epidemic, where you've often heard uh, our dear leader, the Prime Minister, standing up there and saying, we've got to follow the science. Well, we do, absolutely. But in looking at the rest of the world, don't follow the science, follow the scientists, because there are thousands and thousands and thousands that actually have an active Christian faith and actually uh, Muslim and Jewish faith as well. And maybe be a bit like my friend Andrew, who as a research student, thought, well, we're probably not going to get an answer that we want to this, but let's challenge the system. Can we please have that text written again over our new building? Because as the psalmist finishes, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Amen.